The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. February 28th, 2011 is a Monday the Smith family from at Boy will never ever forget. Just short of his 16th birthday, son Patrick died by suicide, leaving behind a devastated mum, dad, three siblings and an extended family circle. Almost eight years on, Patrick's father, Eugene, has been recalling a life-changing tragic event for all concerned. And he joins me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Eugene, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. That day, of course, is forever etched on your minds. But a year before that, you say you noticed a change in Patrick. But before that, will you just paint the picture of who he was, what kind of a lad he was? Uh, Patrick was your, your typical young lad. Growing up, he was always into development, into sport. He had loads of friends. Don't know where it all creep out like you know but um, he was full into life and and he just seemed to have get on with everybody and he seemed to be the life and soul of the party and as I said he was seriously into his sports and very talented and a natural talent and when I looked at him playing I, I said to myself I wish I had that talent when it was his age but I never had but, <laughs> but he had all that he had, he had all that everything and, going from uh, he enjoyed his school a sociable fella played his sport you name it and like life was good the year a year you say you can nearly say a year before that date in February 2011 what happened what changed with him it's very hard to put your finger on an exact change but he just didn't seem to be himself he wasn't as happy go lucky as he was beforehand he could become a little bit irrational at times and he, he would cover this up well with his friends because when he'd go outside the door of the house and meet a friend he was smiling and laughing as normal so his friends may not have ever picked up on it like you know what I mean but um, we just were concerned and we were trying to come to answers and, and trying to ask the questions without asking directly out because we were afraid of what we could harm we could do ourselves, not knowing anything about mental health or suicide at that time. So you sort of danced around this with him, tried to, you know, make life as easy as possible for everybody. Did you ever confront him? Did you ever actually ask him, yourself or your wife or anybody, his sisters and brother as well, did they talk to him? I think we were all aware of it. And I think somewhere along the line, Patrick was aware that we knew there was something wrong. Um, and as you said, Jerry, it's like walking on eggshells at times. Um and it, it came to head, we did ask him, we were trying to ask him, but we were afraid to ask a question like, are you feeling depressed? We definitely were afraid to ask, are you feeling suicidal or do you have suicidal thoughts? Even though we didn't think that at the time, but we would have been afraid to ask it. Now, now with hindsight and these years on and with a chance to reflect, what would you say to somebody listening today who's living with somebody that they're concerned about? Would you address it? Yes, Definitely. I would address it and I would I would say to people that if you are concerned about somebody or if somebody comes to you and confides in you that they're having a problem, listen, ask them to talk to you and encourage them to talk. Make it as, as open as possible for them to talk. And you may still be afraid to ask the question, but it is okay to ask somebody, are you feeling suicidal or do you have suicidal thoughts? You may be afraid to do that, but you could ask it in another way. Ask them, are you okay with life? Are you enjoying life? And maybe encourage it out that way. Come round it that way. Good advice. Really good advice. He did get help. Did he seek it himself or how did that come about? Um, it probably came to a head 
with us delving and trying to find out what was wrong and he spoke to his youngest or his, his middle sister uh, Stacy and he confided in Stacy that he had contemplated suicide and had suicidal thoughts so Stacy said we'll have to talk to mum and dad and he asked Stacy to tell us and then he talked to us then after that Okay so it opened up the conversation from that point Yes Who, what, where did he go to what help did he receive <laughs> He went to Peter House Okay and I have to say, Peter House were immense and it really did help Patrick. And he would have done the full 15 sessions with Peter House. And at the end of it, he he seemed to be back to himself again, pretty much back to himself again. And he had missed a lot of time at school as well. And he looked to go back to school, but he looked to go to a different school because of everything that went on for him. And he started school again in a youth reach programme in Trim. So he was getting back on his feet, moving out into social circles again. Did he go back to the sport? He had never got back to the sport. Okay, that didn't happen. It, but you felt he, he had improved after the assistance from Pieta and things were looking up. Yes, exactly, yeah, definitely. Um, it, we, were, we were as happy as we'd been, we had been in a long time. Now, that day, I want to come back to it, February 28th. 2011, it was a Monday evening. You were going to play cards, were you, that evening? Yeah, sorry, it was it was a Sunday evening, sorry. It was uh, Sunday, wasn't yeah, it? it was Monday morning. Monday yeah, morning, yes, Sunday yes. into Monday. Okay, so Sunday you were going to play cards. Heading to play cards, yeah. And um, Patrick was there with a, a friend of his and uh, Carol, who's my eldest daughter, with her partner, and they were playing FIFA on the PlayStation. And they were having great crack, and Carol and, and Robert, my younger son, were in the, in the sitting room watching TV. Um, Patrick was aware I was going to play cards and he said Dad I, I text my friend to confirm a lift for school in the morning which I was very happy with and I said OK I'm going to head off now and as I was walking out the door I heard a call from Patrick Dad and I went back and he looked around laughing I didn't call you go on say. and I proceeded to go out again and in the hallway I heard him calling again Dad and I went back in he looked around and he Big grin out of him, ha ha, as much as say, I got you. And that was Patrick to a T. Tom Foolery, bit yes. of crack. And even when his mum came in from work an hour later, again he was having the tomfoolery and a bit of crack with her. He says to her, when she came in, he called and she went into the room they were playing PlayStation and she says, um, or he said, do you know us anything? And Una straight away she copped, she said, all you think is are cool, she said, but you're all wearing the same colour jumper. And a big laugh out of Patrick, yeah, we are cool. So and he was in great form. Seen him in great spirits. Now, your wife went to bed and the house settled down. You were out playing your cards, enjoying that. What time did you come home at? I would arrive home about midnight. OK, so it was into the day of the 28th yes. at that stage, the Monday. You, you were alarmed when you entered the house. I don't know what came over me when I walked into the house. Um, I knew there was something amiss. I, I was aware that Patrick was stayed up to watch TV for a little while as he wasn't tired. But Patrick would always switch off the television, the lights and the whole lot. But everything was on. Lights were on. Television was on. The door wasn't locked. I said, there's something wrong. And I don't know what. I ran to Una's room first without even looking for Patrick. And I asked where Patrick was. And I said, is he not in bed? I said, I didn't even check. But I think there's something amiss. I don't know why. But I checked Patrick's room and he wasn't there. So I started panicking. I rang his phone. There was no answer. I went outside, run outside looking and searching and... It's then I found him behind the door in the shed. He'd hung himself, had he? He had, yeah. Yeah. That must be painful 
today even to it is, it is, of course, yeah. yeah. It is, of course, Jerry, and it, 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 it's something that's never going to go out of my mind. And I know three of my neighbours heard my screams and yells, and I don't know where they came out, but they arrived beside me very quickly. And they done everything they could to resuscitate Patrick, and we're still working on him when the paramedics arrived. But unfortunately, it was it was too late when when we got him. Out of the blue, really, with, with what you've told me and, and how it built up to that night and everything, totally unexpected. There was no indication, nothing from him. No, like after, as I said, after after his visit with Peter House, we definitely thought he had turned the corner and we were extremely happy with how he was progressing. And he just, he definitely, you could see the original Patrick back there again. Did he... Leave anything behind in terms of a farewell or a message or anything? He didn't, but I, I mentioned it to my wife on the day of Patrick's funeral after he was buried that I, I just got a strong feeling that Patrick knew how he was going. I don't know why this came over me, but and I suppose his farewell to us was the practical joking right up to the end. How do you... How do you face into a, a a scenario like that? And you know, your your wife comes on the scene, your neighbours first, then the family are all there. It must be just Armageddon. It is, and, and like I'll be honest with you, Jerry, a, a lot of what happened in the in the hours following that are still blank to me. Um, and and we're very grateful and very lucky to have great families on both sides, and great neighbours and friends and a great community that really dragged us through and carried us through this because there's plenty of days that you just don't feel like putting a leg outside the bed. Have you a faith? Have you a faith that you, as a family or did <coughs> that come into, into, into the scenario at all? Or? I would have a faith. I do I do believe there is an afterlife and I do believe the Patrick is sitting here with me now. You know what I mean? I, I really do. And um, someday I, I hope to see him again. And... Um, I suppose at the time I questioned my faith because I said, how how could you do this? How could you take such a young man when he's starting out in his life as such? How do you feel towards him with what happened? Is it an unbelievable pain, a sadness? Do you feel any anger towards, towards him and what he did? I never felt anger towards him and what he'd done. I don't know why. I felt anger towards is it God or what but I I did feel anger towards that as to how could this happen Um, and somewhere along the healing process I don't know but um, I just get it from Patrick that somehow or other he knew how he was going What about his mum and his brother and sisters at that time and since coping trying to cope understand this Well they're, they're exceptional people do you know what I mean and to be able to cope with this and but you're still coping with it every day it's never going to go away we understand that we know that we know there's no answers to the questions that come into your head but they still come in there recur all the time they come back yes, to you yes. think about this periodically from time to time and you ruminate over it it never goes it, it, it never goes away you, you know deep down there is no answers to the questions but they still come in the what's the ifs and the hows and the shoulds and could we haven't there's no answers but we done everything for Patrick. His sisters and his brother, they done everything for him and was loved very much. But And that's all you can do in anyone's life and, and, and reflect on that and, and 
take that with you every day as as a reassurance to to you in the most difficult, difficult circumstances. Can I say that after his passing, great good has come and his spirit and his life lives on? Definitely, Jerry. Um, And it's one thing that Patrick had said he always wanted to do was do something on behalf of Peter House. And I think he knew we were always going to do that. And we got involved with Peter House. First of all, we done a fundraiser which involved a cycle from Dunderry to Westport. We had a lot of friends and we did over 50 people cycling. And then we climbed Crow Patrick the next day. And then we got a call from Peter House to see would we be interested in starting up the first Darkness into Light in Navan. And it has been one of the greatest success stories in the whole Darkness into Light movement, hasn't it? It definitely has, yeah. And it's it's a very unique event and we are delighted to be involved in it. And like I would categorise Darkness into Light into three areas. Yeah, you have people that are there in memory of a loved one. Then you have people there to support others that have suffered. And you have people that are there that have been helped by Peter House. Mm. And they're all coming out in appreciation and can I say to listeners today, listen to these figures. In the first year, and you did this off the cuff after he passed away, Patrick, you raised 26,000 that year. You took on the darkness into light in 2013 and you've raised over 400,000 euro for them. My God almighty, Eugene, that is some achievement. And last year alone, 76,000 and 4,500 people took part. Yes, it has been, it really has snowballed and rocketed and, and just at this point I'd like to say that I have a great family and a great committee behind me and I'm not doing this on my own by any manner or means and I really appreciate all the work that everybody does and the, all the work that people do to make Darks in the Light happen. But it really has snowballed, Jerry, and it is, it is great to see the support that we're getting. Mm. Um we have lots of comment in, as you can imagine, about this. Oh, Jerry, what an amazing daddy. I'm bawling here at the bravery to share this story. God bless them all. And thank you for sharing your story, a listener says this afternoon to Eugene. Ella's been on to say, oh, my God, Jerry, I'm just torn listening to Eugene. No parent should go through what uh, that family had to go through. Thank you, Ella. Um, another one. <coughs> listening to the interview with Eugene, it's obvious that his son had made the decision. That's why he was in such good spirits uh, on that night, uh, says a comment. Could you ask Eugene, did they ever figure out what got him down or what he was depressed about? Unfortunately, we we never did. Um, He went to Peter House and, as you can imagine, his conversations with his therapist were private, unless there was a need for his therapist to talk to me because they were concerned about something. And I felt that it would be unfair to go asking questions after that. So we never got to that reason as to why Patrick was down. His friends, his, his brothers and sisters, of course, and of course he had a circle of friends in sport and in his school life and everything. God almighty, it must be shocking for somebody, one of their ilk, to be taken so quickly. It is devastating for the, the family and for the, his extended family, his friends. It's devastating. Um, for the whole community like it's, it's not just the family that are affected by this it's the whole community is affected by it and because he was such an outgoing person it, it, it affected a lot of people You're eight years away from it at this stage but as you said earlier to me the pain continues the questions continues will you ever be at peace do you think do you ever think there'll come a time when you can totally reconcile this or is, is that an impossibility? I don't know if that's possible, Jerry. Um, 
there'll never come a time where we're ever going to forget Patrick anyway. Oh, of course. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and we never will want to forget him. Yeah. And we include him in everything we can. And it was a pleasure to have him as a son, like my daughters and my other son. An absolute pleasure to have them. And um, I think these questions are still going to crop into my head from time to time. And if that's the way it has to be, well... We we'll, we we'll live with yeah. it like that, and I think Christmas has just passed, and the New Year that comes round every year. That date is coming up, the twenty eighth of February, his birthday. All those things keep him. He's with you, you know. He is, and, and part and parcel of your lives. Oh, definitely, he, yeah. he definitely is. But they come around every year, and they yeah. remind and they remind time and time again. You wanted again joining me here today to talk about talking, which you alluded to earlier on. But come back to it now again, and especially you, you wanted to raise the issue of people who may be alone or on their own. Well, I just I think it's very important for people to talk, and it's very important that people see and believe that it is okay not to feel okay, and to seek help. It may take a while for you to realise there is something amiss, but if you can confide in somebody, please do. And I'd advise anybody that, where somebody confides in you, if you could please listen and show that you're you're going to support them and that you're there for them and ask them what you can do for them. And there is people out there that are on their own that feel they have nobody to talk to and genuinely they have nobody to talk to. What I would advise them to do is to please pick up the phone. These helpline numbers are there and there's a very supporting and sympathetic ear waiting and advice waiting to talk to you. So really you're saying that even though you may feel alone and be on your own, you are actually not alone. There are lots of avenues and numbers and we'll be giving out some of the numbers now shortly that people can contact if, if they're in that situation today. Pick up the phone. Please pick up the phone. Like It's not something that I wish on any family is to ever go through losing somebody by suicide. Do you have you related to others who who've lost children? Because this your son was a child still, you know, at fifteen, going on sixteen. Yeah. Have you been in contact with others? Or have you, you know, wanted to do that, or have you spoken to others? I would, I would have spoken to others. And one of the great things about darkness into light is you meet so many people, so many people that want to tell their story, so many people that need to tell their story, and. In the lead up to Darkness in the Light with registration and information going on, people come in and just to have a chat and I have spoken to other people and everybody's story is unique and everyone's story is different. But at the end of the day, they've all lost somebody. They've all lost a loved one. What would be your key piece of advice just before we finish up? You know, you told me earlier that if it were again, you would have got in there maybe a little sooner and and addressed it straight out. Is that Again, the, the thing you want to emphasise. Or is each case different? Each case is different, but sometimes the signs are not there. You can't see them. And that's when it's very tough. But if you see signs, if you see somebody feeling or looking a little bit irrational or maybe doing things out of the ordinary, maybe not interested in their sports, not interested in their food, in their sleep, and being irrational, maybe ask the question, are they Okay. So look for the signs, you know, watch just to see if the subtle changes and people are drifting away from something, withdrawing, whatever. Be aware of those, you're saying. Yes, yes. That's key, key to, you know, getting in there early and, and trying to help as much as possible. I suppose, like with some people, you can do everything as well, we have to say. And at the end of the day, it's still not enough. Unfortunately, that's the case, like, unfortunately. But, like, you have to grab on the positives and say... Look at the number of people that have yeah. seek 
and got help. Like Peter House would have welcomed over 7,000 people through the doors just last year alone. Massive, isn't it? So, like, out of those 7,000 people, thank God, I, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> most of them are still here, so the help is available. Yeah, and, and it, it does and work. It does, and it does work. Yes, and that is the message we want to get across yeah. today. It does work, no matter what the circumstances are. And again, we're talking to everybody, but young men in particular. Yes. Men are not great for talking, Eugene. <laughs> talking no, about sport no. and things like that, but talking about their inner feelings. And that's very, very important as well it's to emphasise. Extremely, extremely important, Jerry. Eugene Smith, thank you so much for joining us on Late Lunch today. I really do appreciate it. And I know our chat today on the show will make a big, big difference. And today we remember your son, Patrick, in our conversation. Thanks, Eugene. Thanks, Jerry. Can I just mention before I go, just Darkness Into Light this year happens on the 11th of May, countrywide. And we look forward to you joining us again in Navan. We have a challenge in our hands this year in Navan because this year Trim are joining up with our first walk and we would have got massive support from Trim. So we're reaching out to all the people in Navan, come along and join us and let's fill the gap that Trim is going to leave behind. Absolutely. Make it bigger and better than ever. Darkness into light this May. Eugene, thanks so much again. Thanks for having me, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. As you can imagine, we've been flooded with comments uh, following my conversation there with Eugene Smith just before uh, news at two o'clock about his son, Patrick, who died by suicide back in 2011. Uh, Eugene is a wonderful man, a great family man. So sad to listen to what he has to say, but mental health services in Meath uh, leave an awful lot to be desired. So sad in Navin are a wonderful group and they give great support. Nobody knows, Jerry, what another person is going through at any time in their lives. And that is so true. Louise, you have some more comment there for us from uh, WhatsApp. I have. Um, it's, his story has touched a lot of people, Jerry. Yeah. Um, one one um, WhatsApper said, to all those that struggle, there is no need. Everyone has a true buddy. So Eugene and your family, you're a credit to everybody. Talk, everybody, please talk. Yes, and that's been a, a, a central theme of what Eugene was saying as well. Another one, Jerry, my heart is breaking for that poor man and his family. What's wrong with our country that a 15-year-old, a baby, thinks his life is over before it even begins? His family gave him nothing but love and he was surrounded by friends and yet he was still in turmoil. Another one, that man and his family are simply amazing. To lose a son so young and yet now spend their time trying to make sure no other parent goes through the same thing is hugely commendable. You've some important numbers, Louise, there as well to give out. Just if anybody is feeling down, uh, Pieta House has a 24-hour helpline and you can contact them on 1800 247 247 or text HELP to 51444. Um, And also the Samaritans, uh, Jerry, you can contact them on uh, 116123. And that's a simple little number there as well. If you have uh, any feelings that you're uh, sort of lost in life or feeling down or depressed or alone or whatever, do make the contact, talk, ring those numbers, get in touch. They're all available online as well. And I know, Louise, our our local GAA clubs are taking up uh, the campaign here, exercise and mental health as well. I know Nave Martin and Monis, the boys, have a big night coming up. Is it this Friday, this coming weekend? We'll get details on that as well. And I know there is another one in Duleek, another local club in Duleek that are holding 
okay. talks in, in relation to mental health. To mental health as well. Why is it, Louise, fellas are so bad at this? You know the way we have the banter and the crack. I was saying it there to Eugene. You know, we'll, we'll slag each other. We'll row about sport and politics and we'll chat over a pint or maybe over a mineral if you don't drink either. But yet this... You know, the, the deeper feelings. Women are better, aren't they? Yeah. Is it a macho thing? But even like from a young age, they slag each other. You mm. know, they don't say, look, at you know, I'm not feeling too yes. hot today. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I just think that it's it's still there. And, and it, the awareness has been raised and we're working on it. It's And, and another thing is as well, isn't it? Uh, there's more work needed on this earlier in life with all children would you oh, would you agree you're a mum of young children yourself I think from primary school there should be something some interventions there to make a child you know more confident feel that they're everything and you know life is going to knock a child hard enough as it is mm. Mm. But um, that's something yeah. for policy makers and health people and everything to, to look at as well. I think it's a, a big time in and people's lives. It is a shame, Jerry, because that lady that WhatsApped in is so true. If you do talk, you'd be surprised at who will listen. Mm. There will always be your buddy there to listen. Mm. Oh, there's always a listening ear. We, we want to emphasise that today on the show. More of your comments. Uh, most families in Ireland, or well, I'd say quite a number in Ireland, have been affected by suicide. And yet there's still a stigma, Tat says a listener. Why is this? Uh, another one there. Eugene is such a brave man to come on and talk to you, Jerry, about what he went through. Uh, great interview. And one that might save a life today or some other day to somebody uh, or somebody who's listening to the show who has reached uh, for the phone because of this to talk to somebody. Thanks indeed for those lovely comments and keep them coming to us. What? WhatsApp 086-1800-658. That's the number to contact us on. It's free on WhatsApp. It's free. Same number for the text if you want to get in touch with us as well. Let me tell you, I have a pair of tickets to give away now to Foster and Allen. But you must be available to go this very night. They're on tonight. Foster and Allen putting on the style, bringing their tour to the Knightsbrook Hotel in Trim. Would you like to go along this evening? This very evening, Foster and Allen, a little bit of a surprise for somebody to lift the spirits and enjoy a night of great entertainment with the boys. The question today is, what's Foster's Christian name? I did ask you what's Allen's yesterday, so let's bring the other fill into it. What is Foster, Foster and Allen, what is Foster's Christian name? That's the question today. WhatsApp 086 1800 or the text number there same number as well get texting get whatsapping and we'll pick a winner for that before the end of the show I see a song I love I remember it well it's one of my heroes it's Mr Phil Linnett and Old Town
my money in the old town It's not the same, honey, when you're not around I've been spending my time in the old town I sure miss you, honey, now you're not around Now you're not around this old town Yes, Mr. Phil Linnett there and Old Town 1982. That one goes back to. I met Phil Linnett once in my life. I was at Lizzie, I think, five or six times I saw them live. What a brilliant band they were. But I met him one day in Dublin. I bumped into him and he was in the leathers, the leather pants, the jacket, the hair. How are you, bud? And he, I said hello to him and I shook his hand and. Uh, I don't think I've washed my hands since. <laughs> I have many times. I'm only joking. But uh, what a performer he was and what a thrill to meet him. Just that once time, uh, by chance, bumping into him in Dublin. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. I was looking at my old face in the mirror this morning having a shave and I said, my God, there's excess lines there for sure after all these years. You see, men have that every day you go shaving. Ladies don't really have that, I don't think, to be honest with you. Maybe you can correct me on that one. Louise will later anyway. But look, we have a guy joining us next and he's a remarkable man. He reads people's faces. He's been doing it for 30 years and I sent him an old mug shot of myself. Don't go anywhere. They say first impressions are really important when you meet somebody for the first time. How they look, are dressed, shake your hand and engage all make an instant impact that generally with people lasts. My next guest has a unique talent which he's been fine-tuning for 30 years. Yes, Joseph Maguire can read people by studying their face. I think I'll hide for the next while. Oh, no need, he's on the line. Hello, Joseph. Hi, Jerry. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. Now, before you say it, I'm going to tell this, and I told him a moment ago anyway, I sent you a picture of my visage, a photo taken this morning. God, I'm not in great shape. And before you say it, I know I have a face for radio, so <laughs> you can, we just let, get, get that out of the way for the start. But look. That makes both of us. <laughs> not at all, not in your case, may I say. You use a technique by analysing the face. And maybe you take my uh, image just to work through this for our listeners today. What face shape have I? Because you begin by categorising people with a face shape. What am I? Yeah, most of us today are a combination of a couple of faces, but you'd be a combination of rectangular and oval. Oh, so I'm just looking at your wee book here, which is brilliant, may I say. Rectangle, uh, the description, a manager, an aristocrat, Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing at that one. So rectangle is one. And what's the other one you said? Oval. Oval. So the oval in your book, diplomat, host, host. I like that. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. my combination. I'm, th- there's nobody exactly one shape, is it? It's generally a combination of a couple. 
more often today, most of us are a, are a combination of a couple. You will find some that are that fit into a specific category. Um, and it's not, again, it's not to put people into a box into saying that you're absolutely this. Um, but it's, it's, it's the, when we talk about the face shape, like the basic face shape like that, what we're talking about is the impression people have of us as much as how we actually are. Right, and I'm reading further into the Oval. I really like you, Joseph, I have to say. Uh, It says, tend to make great use of charm, attentive to feelings of others, dislikes conflict and is mannerly. You you know what? They are some of the things that I I feel I might sum me up myself. And that comes from the face. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. This is is an ancient Chinese art. it's the the written literature goes back some three thousand years, so it's it's been developed and honed and used over over that that extended period of time. Um, it is very much about about observation. It is empirical rather than statistical, um, but it is very much grounded in practical experience over, as I say, a very extended period of time. It's been used very extensively in not just Chinese medicine, but Chinese politics, Chinese business. It's still used in Chinese business communities. And it has, and it's basically it's its effectiveness or its continued use depends on on it being effective and being seen to be effective. So just from the shape, now I'm going to talk a bit more about the other aspects you look at. Just when you meet somebody and you assess the shape and you make your mind up, bump bump, there's a combination of two there. You generally find that the the traits that go along with those are actually found in that person. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But again, what we're talking about when we're talking about the face shape, we're talking about a general, a very yeah. general outline. Okay, it's, it's it's then the case of looking at the specific features and the specific combination of features and their size and angle, etc., in relation to each other, and that provide that provides the very particular detail of the individual. Okay, let's move on then to those aspects that you cover off in this book. You mentioned two halves that everybody's. You put a line down the middle of the face. I see you do it in the book with Barack Obama. What a subject! And there's two sides to his face am I the same well, yes we're all the same we're all the same in that regard um, we like to think of our features as being symmetrical mm. but in, in apparently there's something like one in ten million people whose features are actually symmetrical okay um, and and that divide in the face you have public private what do you mean yeah. by that the the person's own right side shows the shows the persona that they reveal in public whether that's whether that's in general public um, uh, contact or, mm. or in a business business professional contact the the right the, the, the person's own left side reveals how they are in private their private insights their private perspectives on life how they are in their private personal relationships okay so and you'll you... often find distinct differences between the two and particularly in relation to the eyes and what the eyes tell you okay and they reveal to you they reveal different things to you being an expert at this you can read read what into that what does the two sides tell you about me Okay, um, right. We're looking. We're looking specifically at your own face. There, um, there's a number of there's a number of things. Uh, if we look at, um, I'll start. I'll start actually with your eyebrows. Okay, go on ahead. And your your eyebrows. Your eyebrows are different. Each eyebrow is different here. So it suggests that um, in your in your domestic life, you can take your time before you can. Something of a tendency to procrastinate. Um, if you're asked to do something. Um, you may take your time getting to it unless it really draws you. Yeah. Um, and you're... So I'm just... Uh, just The light wasn't great there. Um, <laughs> but once once you get going, you're fine. Okay. It, it may take you a while to actually, <laughs> to actually engage. Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> where in the work in the work situation, um, again, once you get going, you can really get your teeth into something, mm. and you'll really carry it through. You may, and again, um, domestically, you may your interest may tail off after a period of time, and you may you may find it hard to actually complete things. Okay. Again, not everything, but there may be a bit of a pattern there. <laughs> but different yeah. in the work scenario. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Louise is in there nodding, my producer. <laughs> She's right. agreeing with you profusely on that yeah. one. Okay, so that's the eyebrows. What else? Right. Um, you, you have um, you have an interesting. Well, I suppose every face is interesting, but you have an interesting um, combination of things because you're you're um, you have a, you, you have an attraction to detail. And you've an attraction to things being being you like you like things to be explained and to be explained clearly. You like to understand things, mm. um, and you like things to make sense. Mm. Uh, where things don't make sense, you will dig and dig and dig um, until you, until you get meaning from from it, or you discard it. <laughs> um, you actually also, despite that, quite deeply analytical side to you, you also have very strong intuition. But you're inclined to you're not always inclined to trust it. Because you will get you will get intuitive um, intuitive flashes if you like that direct you to something or to do something to call somebody to to write something to whatever, um, um, but you then you'll start asking yourself does it make sense or not? <laughs> so you can tie you, you you can tie yourself in knots with that one. Um, the one one tip I would give you on that regard is when your intuition is working well. You will get a you will get a feeling of it in the body. It won't just be in your head. Yeah, and it'll be a feeling of. Um, it'll be a very peaceful feeling and a feeling almost of timelessness and a sense, just a sense of things being right, things, things slotting into place. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Yeah. So when you get that in your body, and that could be that could be your gut, or it could be, could be your chest because it could be different for different people. But when you get that, Pay attention to it because that's something to, to that is something to follow through on. Okay, God Almighty, I'm sitting here actually astounded in what you're telling me. You're, you're on the mark so much with what you've said. So, so you you also just to, to tell listeners as well. You look at the hairline, forehead. Eye, you mentioned eyebrows, the eyes, cheeks, mouth, and ears. So you look at every aspect of the face. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every every aspect of the face relates to a different aspect of our personality. Um, the, the Chinese perspective is that the, the traditional Chinese perspective is that the mind and body are one inseparable unit. So um, everything, everything in the face relates to different aspects of our physiology as much as our personality, as much as our emotions, as different aspects of our mental processes. And it all, all taken together, it all forms a, a, quite a complete detailed picture of the individual. Tell me more, Joseph. I'm, 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 I'm anxious for more. What did you find from ears, mouth, chin, jaw, anything else? Right. Okay. Well, we look at your, we look at your, we look at the area between your mouth and your chin first of all, and then the chin itself. Um, you've got a little horizontal line there between halfway between the lower lip and the chin, and that tells me that you have a tendency to do things for other people that they could and probably should be doing for themselves. So it's like uh, 
Yeah, you're, you're taking too long. I'll, I'll get. I'll do that. Yeah. Things like that. Or, oh, you or, are so into me, and I don't know how you've done this, but my God, from a picture I only sent you a couple of hours ago. Go on, go on, more. Uh, you're also you're also a very determined individual. So when you again when you get your teeth into something, or when you get really interested into something, you'll dig, and you won't let go until you're satisfied that satisfied with the outcome that it's either going to work or it's not going to work. Um, so you won't be easily dissuaded from something that you're really interested in. You're also likely to be quite tactile. And that doesn't, I don't just mean in terms of like, I don't ne- necessarily mean that in terms of like being huggy feely, mm. but in terms of, in terms of activities or hobbies, um, you will, you will need to do something that is hands on. <laughs> I love angling. I'm a mad angler and I love fishing and all that goes along with that. I I garden as well, love my garden. So, you know, there's two things, just two things that are are, are what you've just said there. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest um, because you you would need that if you have something to do with your hands on a regular basis like that. You'd feel, you'd feel at a loss. Mm. You literally would feel, you'd feel very out of sorts. Mm. Oh my God! Also, um, if I can just throw in a couple of other things. Yeah, go on. Up the, just going up the face now to the forehead area. Um, you've got a actually like myself. You've got a collection of lines there in the forehead, um, with each which relates to different areas of life. But when you when you have a couple uh, a few deep horizontal lines like that, it tells me that you've had a tendency towards towards uh, well towards being feeling stress, taking stress, taking things, taking things internally and, and over, over analyzing, overthinking things. Um, and it's the, again, the Chinese perspective is that there's nothing, there's no absolute positives or absolute negatives. The, the negative is of, of it is that, yeah, you would have a tendency, um, you, or maybe would have had a tendency to overanalyze and worry. But mm. the, the, the positive of it is that you've come to know yourself very well. So you have a very good understanding of yourself and what works well for you. It's then a case of how well you apply that knowledge. Mm. You're also, you're also, as I mentioned earlier, you've got quite an analytical side to you. But when you when you take on a new idea or a new a new project, uh, you want to see where you can go with it. You don't want to just stick with the status quo, like the idea of this is how we've always done it, kind of thing. Yeah. And this is what we're going. This is how we're going to stick to it. You like to see how you can creatively expand on it, or use it, or, or redirect it, mm. because your mind you 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 have you have very powerful imagination, and again, that's that's really important that you nurture that. My oh my! I, I have to say, in all the years I'm doing this, I'm sitting here astounded in what that one little snap that Louise took this morning sent through to you that you've just had for a short time and what you've picked from it and I want to tell people you don't know me from Adam you you have done no research on me nobody's been talking to you purely from that picture oh yeah yeah yeah, absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, people don't realise like the the name of my business is Clearsight Communications and I I chose the name because people don't realise just how much is visible and available and knowable in Clearsight now, I'm going to have to go in a second, but before I do and let you go, tell me one thing. For a broadcaster, I have my headphones on my ears here. Anything in the ears? Yeah, I can only see your left ear in this one. Okay. And I, can only see it, I can only see it kind of in profile, so I can't see yeah. the whole ear. But it's, the ear is close to the head. You see the ear is close to the head like that. Again, it tells me that, the, that you're, you, how can I put it? Again, again, you like you. It fits in with that idea of being a diplomat. 
it fits in with the idea of actually of actually fitting in and harmony being very important to you. Mm. You won't you won't rock the boat for the sake of it. Mm. Um, if if something needs to be said, that's 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 one thing. But you are, you are not somebody who is a natural disruptor. Certainly not in any kind of stroppy sense. Okay. Now Louise is going to uh, join us just for a second, my producer. Louise, what 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 do you feel about what? Uh, Joseph has just said there. Absolutely spot on, Twitty. Even the last thing about the disruptive, I think you you once said something about keeping your mouth closed or there's a saying or something. (laughs) But there's just one thing I'd um, like to ask. Is there anything in there about selective hearing? (laughs) (laughs) She's hanging me out to dry now. I shouldn't have brought her into this conversation at all. Say no, Joseph, just say no. Well, I can't. I can't see the. I can just see part of one ear. And <laughs> That'll do. Other, but spot other, on. Go on. I can just add one other yeah. thing. From what I can see, your your of your left ear, it's relatively small. So that tells me that you're actually quite visual. Right. So, are talking to you, and again proposing any kind of an idea. If they ask you in terms of how do you see that, mm. what's your what's your vision for this? It'll it'll register with you much more strongly than asking how do you feel about it? Okay. Or what do you think about it? So if people use visual language. It's, yes, it's, it's easier for you to for me to do. To, to, yes, I understand what you're saying. Look, I want to say to you, this has been the most fascinating 15 minutes or so, personally speaking, <laughs> that I've spent on these airwaves probably ever. I want to tell people the book is called Face Facts by Joseph Maguire, and it's M C G U I R E. Where can they get this? They can get it, um, they can get a, if, if people would like a signed copy, they can get it through my website, which is clearsightcommunications.com. And that's clearsightcommunications, all one word. Okay. And of course, you use this professionally and personally as well. And my God, I'd hate to be sitting in in front of you for an interview for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Joseph, we will talk again, I promise you. Lovely to catch up with you today. Absolutely. It's fascinating. And thank you for doing the wee analysis on myself. Absolute pleasure, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Joseph Maguire there, and his book is called Face Facts. <laughs> Louise. Oh my God Almighty. That was that was like somebody That was amazing. Wasn't it? Yeah. He doesn't know me. I tell no, he's you, never met you. We've never met. We've only spoke briefly. Louise did the liaison this morning, sent the picture on what a, and, and we said, Look, we'll have a look at this. It was. It really was. So so on the nail, wasn't it? That was just yeah. Absolutely, it was scary. Terrific, terrific, scary, yeah, in a way. But what a brilliant man that uh, Joseph is and and, and a talent he has for this as well. Imagine meeting him over a pint. I was going (laughs) to... You'd go home, bamboozle, wouldn't you? You'd just go home. (laughs) I suppose you're right there. Anyway, up next on Late Lunch this uh, Thursday afternoon. Yes, half a rasher, an egg, one egg roughly a week. Very little chicken. Oh, my God. There's another report out published in The Lancet today. And we really do have to change, they say. But what does Nikki Kyle think? Stay with us. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. 
Half a rasher a day, a mere morsel of poultry, one and a half eggs a week, forget about spuds, so says the findings of a new report commissioned by the Lancet Medical Journal. If we're to enjoy better health and at the same time save the planet, they say we must move to a primarily plant-based diet, reducing consumption of meat and dairy products. There's only one woman to call on this. She is a star of late lunch. She is the Queen of Green. Yes, the organic gardening guru in Ireland, Miss Nikki Kyle. Nikki, good afternoon. Hi, Jerry. Thank you for taking the call. I really do appreciate it. What do you make of this latest report? Well, there's sort of good and bad in it. I mean, everyone's screaming, oh my God, we can't eat meat. And, you know, we actually should be eating uh, more plants. It would be a lot more healthy. We could actually eat less meat, um, quite a bit less meat without missing it. Um, You know, and we would be healthy, uh, more healthy. And also... Um, we should be eating a lot more fibre than we are, and that would reduce our risk of chronic disease. Uh, but having said that, we don't have to ditch meat altogether. We could just eat less meat, but better quality meat, which actually is tastier and higher in nutrients. Now, you do, uh, are the guru of Tunnel the Table with us on late lunch uh, through the year, spring, summer, autumn and winter. And I do notice when I go to you, like it is, you use primarily and nearly always everything you grow yourself in the tunnels. And I notice that there is little or no meat content in what you do. Well, I, the recipes I do uh, for Tunnel the Table and online uh, tend to be more vegetable based, a lot of them. Um, because, you know, a lot of my readers uh, are, are sort of vegetarians. I use a lot of cheese, a lot of dairy. Yes. Sort of um, but it, it's, uh, it's difficult to sort of please everybody. You know, we mm. do eat meat here, but we don't eat meat every day of the week. We eat meat possibly two days a week. We always eat fish at least once a week. And the rest of the time we would eat vegetarian or vegan recipes. Um, you know, we don't all have to eat meat all the time. And I personally, um, you know, we're all individuals. I personally feel much better if I don't eat a lot of meat every day. Mm. And, you know, when you think back to my childhood, Nikki, and probably a lot of people's, uh, you know, there just wasn't the wherewithal, like today, you know, exactly. to have meat, chicken, fish every single day of the week. Yeah, but on the other hand, the meat then, a lot of, for a lot of us, was a real treat because yeah. it was properly raised free-range chicken, and probably mostly organic, but except it wasn't called that then. Mm. You know, and it was grass-based. It was all eating grass. It was free-range. It was higher in, in the muscle fibers were higher in omega-3 fats, which are much healthier for us. Uh, the cattle uh, and the, the hens weren't being fed as much grain, uh, which is bad. So now in America now, they've got these huge cathos, as they're called, combined animal feeding operations, and very intensively uh, reared cattle, eating a huge amount of grain. And I mean, that's what, you know, that's how it's affecting the climate. Because there's a lot of uh, genetically modified grains that they're being fed, a lot of pesticides used uh, in the production of those grains. Um, and that's having a huge effect on soil, uh, biodiversity and climate. So you feel there are other issues that need to be tackled more urgently than, you know, reducing our intake to the extent they say of meat, poultry, and they they include fish, by the way, in this, and eggs, and potatoes, and uh, uh, pastas as well. Well, the problem is that it isn't a single issue. It's a very, very complex issue. Um, You know, it it depends where you're coming from, whether you're looking at it from a health perspective, from a climate change perspective, or whatever. But I mean, this report primarily seems to be 
um, to, to actually encourage people from reading this to, to um, start eating more probably processed plant foods and more of these fake meats and, um, you know, ready meals, which um, made by sort of processed food uh, companies, huge multinational corporations, uh, they are going to be the ones who will benefit if we all adopt this diet religiously. You know, we don't need to, to eat less meat, but better quality meat would be better. I mean, instead of slapping a couple of pieces of ham in, in, in the, the middle of a couple of pieces of white sliced pan every day for your child's lunchbox, think about giving them a whole grain uh, sandwich, you know, with tomatoes and cheese or something maybe. And instead of ham every day, I know it's the easier option, but it's not, in the end of the day, the best thing for our health. Without naming names, you know, when these reports appear, I always... Uh look behind them and and who's behind them would it be possible that there's possibly vested interests involved are at play here oh without question i mean whenever i you know i I look at a lot of studies online as you know and whenever i look at them the first thing i do is look to see who's funded them (laughs) because you know you you might get the the almond uh, farmers association um you know um sorry uh, just you know, funding a, a report uh, on uh, you know how if we all eat almonds every day, we'll be a lot healthier. I That's understand. Yes. You know, um, sorry, I'm I'm half asleep here. <laughs> right. No, I know what you're saying. Or or or, or exposing the uh, yeah. benefits of almond milk. I know what you're saying. That where people and and that's a suspicion. And it's not a suspicion. It's a fact that you've you've uh, uncovered with a lot of of these you know oh. eye catching reports. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we have to look at it in a balanced way. Mm. And there's actually quite a lot of good in this report if you actually ignore the fact that they're not telling us to eat food not treated with pesticides you know, yes. which, uh, and fertilizers. And I mean, you know, nitrogen fertilizers are one of the, the biggest uh, problems uh, because they actually uh, they produce huge emissions. Um, and also they destroy, destroy um, you know, soil health. Um, and if you start to damage soil health, what happens then is um, you get a, a huge increase in something called nitrous oxide emissions uh, from the soil. Um, and that has 300 times more heat-trapping power than carbon dioxide. And when you think about the overuse of fertilizers, particularly in, in countries like America and China, uh, and a lot of runoff into rivers and pollution into the sea is causing algal blooms. Uh, and the emissions from those, they haven't even quantified. They haven't even talked about. Um, you know, there's a lot of things missed out of this report. And one of the things that, that particularly upset me was the fact that they were talking about red meat. Well, if they're telling people to eat less red meat, people are going to say, oh, well, we have to eat a lot more poultry. And poultry production, as you know, is, is hugely intensive. Uh, and incredibly cruel uh, and very damaging to the environment. You know, we should all be eating more free-range and uh, organically reared or or sustainably reared meat, uh, not the the intensively reared meat. Now, Nikki, in an Irish context, here's the thing. They specifically mention, you know, red meat and dairying, and this country's agriculture, it's really the backbone of it. I'm sure there's an uh, alarm bells have raised in in the farming community and agricultural community in Ireland today. How can that, you know, how can we continue to, you know, have it as a a mainstay of our economy, but that is better for the environment, better for our diets? 
Well, I actually personally think that this is a huge opportunity for Ireland because, you know, we're an island. uh, We're a country that's surrounded by water. We could go completely uh, GM-free. We could go completely organic quite easily, um, you know, and actually produce far better meat. Uh, The problem is that the the way, um, you know, intensive livestock livestock farming and intensive grain farming is um, subsidized by governments. And that has to stop because that is actually subsidising climate change. Okay, so do you see this as not a threat but a a real opportunity? I think it is an opportunity if we start to look at it in in that way because, you know, Ireland grows one very good thing and that's grass all year round. Um, You know, we don't need all the time to have such high intensities of livestock on the land because that, for one thing, is actually ruining the land. Um, And, you know, particularly last winter showed that, you know, we can't always rely on the climate anymore. And that's one of the things about climate change is it it becomes more erratic. Um, So it's difficult. But if we had less livestock on the land, they do, uh, uh, you know, less damage. Um, If it's better meat and better milk products that they're producing, then they should command a higher price. If, you know, as I say, the subsidies are taken away from damaging types of farming and, you know, Ireland encouraged organic farming Mm. far more. I mean, we we don't do enough here, you know. And as well as that, like in the context of the Brexit thing, the figures are coming up with the imports, the amount of potatoes we import into this country, fruit and vegetables. So cheaper, we should be nearly self-sufficient in all that, shouldn't we? Well, I I think we possibly should be. But a lot of that, again, another very complex issue, that's caused by some of the large uh, multiples, the supermarkets, who actually source their vegetables from wherever they're cheapest so Mm. that they can make the most profit. Mm. You know, if we go back to more local, sustainable um, ways of producing food and producers, um, you know, it it is a problem. I mean, if we, we shop locally, if we shop from smaller suppliers, from greengrocers, from butchers, you know, we don't have to eat organic, you know, but actually going to the supermarkets actually encourages um, you know, this sourcing of food from all over the world. I mean, does it make sense to actually import apples, say, from, from God knows where, from New Zealand or from, from South America, when we can grow perfectly good apples here? You know, and we can store them as well now with the technology that we have. Yes, and that's just one example of yeah. many aspects of this. And, and, and when I see, like, strawberries coming from the far side of the world at this time of the year, I just shake my head and say, oh, my God, no, exactly. no, no. Yeah, yeah, and we should be trying to eat more seasonally. And I mean, that's, as you know, what Tunnel to Table is about. Yep. Is making the best use of the foods we have available at the time. And people think, oh, it's boring, you know, but why do we want to eat asparagus and courgettes in January? You know, you enjoy food so much more if it's seasonal and it tastes better if it's seasonal and if it's locally produced and especially if it's organically produced. Absolutely. I want to leave that thought with our listeners this afternoon. It's, it's brilliant. So we'll say take the report with a pinch of salt and the salt won't do you too much harm if, you're, if it's in moderation as well. Is that fair to say? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily a complete pinch of salt, but I think you've got to sort of look behind the headlines and say, okay, we could eat more fibre and it would be beneficial. We could eat more vegetables. And actually that would cut down on the cost of our shopping as well, because meat uh, is expensive. You know, and certainly better reared meat like organic or biodynamic is more expensive. 
Um, but then, you know, we'd have that money left over to, to buy more vegetables and to eat more fibre, and it would definitely improve our health. Somebody saying there to us just before you go, I would eat more organic, Jerry, if I could afford it. Somewhere, yeah. you know, what do you say yeah. to that, Nikki? Well, again, that's just what, exactly what I said, that at the moment, that is a political decision. You know, if the government's decided, OK, we're not going to give so much uh, in subsidies uh, to, you know, the unsustainable, intensive farming uh, type of operations and actually encourage more organic farming. Yeah. Yeah. That should bring the price down. But the problem then is you've got to make sure that the supermarkets just don't go and put a premium on that because it's organic, which is what they're doing. In most cases, organic producers are only getting the same as normal producers. Mm. And that's just not possible. Another listener yeah. says, yes, 70,000 tonnes of spuds imported last year. Shocking. Yeah. Before you go, I want to congratulate you. And I want to tell listeners that this woman... Uh, through her brilliant uh, web presence, NikkiKyleGardening.com has just been named in the top 20 greenhouse <laughs> blogs on the World Wide Web. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. Brilliant. Now go, folks, and check it out. Look it up. Follow this great woman. And I'll tell you one thing, you'll be healthy for the rest of your days. NikkiKyleGardening.com. So. Good, to, good to talk to you again, Nikki. Take care. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's uh, Nikki Kyle there joining us on Late Lunch. A rocker sense, that woman, I have to say. Heading to a break on the show, back afterwards with more of your comments. Mary Collier, well done to you. You're going along this very evening to see Foster and Alan at the Knightsbrook Hotel with their new show, Putting on the Style. Yes, Foster's Christian name. Mick Foster was the answer we were looking for. And thanks to everybody who got in touch. I also have today a pair of tickets for Tommy Fleming at the Knightsbrook 20. 7th of January, that's the final Sunday of the month. There's tickets still available for that show from the Knightsbrook or Ticketmaster. How do you win this pair of tickets and a DVD today of Tommy Fleming uh, to add into that prize? The question is this. Voice of Hope 2 is the new album and tour and it was recorded in a cathedral in which West of Ireland city? Which West of Ireland city's cathedral was Voice of Hope 2, Tommy Fleming, recorded in? Answers, please, to WhatsApp 086-1800-658. It's free to do that. Or you can text in as well to the same number. Now, Louise, Nikki Kyle has raised the hackle with a few people and we have comments. What have you there for us? Causing quite a stir out there. Yep. Um, and a few good ones, Jerry. Uh, Peter uh, WhatsApped us to say, well, one minute we're told to eat more meat and eggs for high protein. Protein, sorry. Yeah. Then all of a sudden they're bad for you. Who do we believe? Yeah, it is confusing, but I think the message from it is everything in moderation. Don't give up the meat or the chicken or the eggs or the cheese or that, but do incorporate a little more fruit and veg and nuts into your diet. Anna um, text in to say, but we're carnivores from day dot. And she wonders, can we get all the nutrients we need from plants? Well, uh, that is a good, actually, comment, so it is. But you know what? Um, the vegetarian lifestyle, the vegan, etc., people, you know, compensate in other ways uh, with other nutrients and that as well if they're not eating. But I know what you're saying. That's why, again, we're saying balance, balance, balance is the order of the day. Joe and Navin, going out for a Sunday roast or Sunday beans just hasn't got the same <laughs> ring to it as a Sunday roast. <laughs> Can't argue there. <laughs> I won't. I won't yeah. uh, pick a row with you on that one, Joe, for sure. Have you any more? Is that it? Have you? Yeah, um, I think it's Paul. I think uh, WhatsApped us in half a rasher and no potatoes. How has the Irish race survived so far? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
somebody else commented that when you think about it, kids go to school with dairy and meat in a sandwich. So what are the alternatives? Mm. And uh, that they'll actually eat, I suppose. Mm. You can well, give them say, hummus. But. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've become a real fan of hummus in recent years. You know that yourself. Yeah. And it's a Every great day. way of combining. I love peppers or celery or what else do I have with a carrot, you know, battens of mm. ba- carrot to batons dip to dip into your hummus as well. It's a great way. You know, I think that's a real good one. Try and get your children in on that. Well, here's a big child that loves it, I have to say. Well, I, I know, coming from my perspective, giving my child hummus and carrots, they'd be coming home starving. Would they? They won't eat it. Really? Yeah, yeah, they won't eat anything, but one of them will only eat sandwiches and the other will eat anything but sandwiches. Mm, it's tricky. Fruit maybe, but that's it. Yeah, it's tricky. I think you have to start them young, start as you mean to go on. And uh, we've been conditioned with this type of food now for what? A few generations. And to break it and to change it again is going to take mm. a little bit of time. Let's head towards news with a wee song. Ah, oh, yes, I love this one. And this is what it can be, eating the right stuff and looking after the planet. Louis Armstrong. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. Also on the faces of people going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They're like much more. I never knew And I think to myself What a wonderful world The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Now open in Dundalk Beside the Dundalk Retail Park The nearly new sale is now on At Blackstone Motors Dundalk Cardiff Gales are having a big auction to raise funds for the club and they have 10 super items up to be bid on. VIP All-Ireland football tickets. You can go and watch Manchester United at a home game next season. A weekend in Europe. Oh, they're fantastic. But in there, in the middle, at number five, you can bid on a plot in a cemetery. What's this all about? I'm joined on the line by a man who's well known in GAA and business circles, the length and breadth of the land. He's been my guest on Late Lunch in the past. He's chairman of Cardiff, Seamus McEnany. Afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in my life. Who came up with the idea or the concept of auctioning a plot in a cemetery? 
Yeah, well, uh, I, I suppose I'd like to dwell on the context first before we <laughs> before we go actually straight to the plot. And you know, we're we're celebrating fifty years in existence. Our club was was uh, formed in nineteen sixty eight, and we have one living member there, Pat uh, Gilson, who put up the money at the time. And we're celebrating fifty years in existence. Right. And, and along with that, we we built a state of the art uh, complex and and uh, sports facilities in two thousand and three. It cost 1.5 million, right. and uh, we had done all types of different fundraisers. And believe it or not, Jerry, uh, this Saturday night we're doing our final fundraiser to leave our club debt free. <gasps> that is just wonderful, and I take my hat off to you and the people there, Seamus. That is the real story behind this. But come back to this graveyard yeah. plot. For- we- we live, in a, we live in a great community in Cordoff, yeah. close in a community, and we were actually at a, at a club meeting only two weeks ago, and we we were talking about auction items, and we had people who sponsored uh, all Ireland football final tickets, and people who sponsored half uh, or calf, and people who sponsored quarried stone, and uh, one of the pe- people said at the meeting that uh, what about something unique? What about something different? Something that's unique to our club? And I have a sister called Bernie Walsh. She's a bit of a mad hatter at the best of times. <laughs> And she came up, she says, I have it, I have the idea. A graveyard plot. Seamus, it's brilliant. It it took legs from there. But, uh, Jerry, it's actually very unique. And and, and in in our community, uh, you cannot cannot forward by a graveyard plot. Now, obviously, if somebody dies in the community, uh, the plot might be available, but you cannot forward by. So uh, uh, we went to the priest, and uh, the priest gave us the opportunity. He's a, he's a, our priest is a staunch GA man. Yeah. Uh, Father Brendan McKeague, he would be a brother of uh, um, Sean McKeague, the ex-president. Yes, of, of course. Yeah, yeah. And he'd be a staunch GA man in our community, a great man for our community, built schools. He's a great man for our community. And uh, we approached him, and, and he gave us the opportunity, and we have some great interest in it. So this is a once-off. It won't happen again. Done as a favour to the club by the priest there. And it's in Cordoff. Uh, is it Rafera? Is that how yes, they... they Cordoff or Rafera uh, ch- uh, Cemetery. OK, so you have the choice of one or the other. So I take it, James, I was just thinking about this. This is an auction. People will come in off the street, your club members, the public, and whatever, and they'll bid on all these great uh, prizes you have here. But really... It's for somebody, this is for somebody who lives in the area, this particular prize. Yeah, it's certainly for somebody that lives in the area or somebody that has wasn't lived or born in the area, maybe moved out of the country and, and, and wants to come back to live okay. in the area and, and, and uh, be, be buried in our area. Look, listen, at the end of the day here, Jerry, whether we like it or not, we are going to need one. Yes. Sometime around the corner, whenever, whenever it is. And it's valuable real estate, isn't it, Seamus? This oh, costs money. Very valuable real estate. In fact... It's priceless because it cannot be bought at the moment in mm. our community. Mm. So it's a, it has certainly taken a lot of legs. We didn't expect it to take all the legs it has taken <laughs> in the last 24 hours. But it, uh, the things I would like to highlight here, this is a celebration of our 50 years uh, in Cordoff. And it, a, a big thing for our community is, we have a great community, this is the final fundraiser to completely leave the debt, or our club, Cordoff GA, debt-free. Now, you have great prizes, and I mean there's wonderful. Two load of quarried stones sponsored by Philip Connolly. They'll hardly want that in Maharicloon. I don't think, I don't think it'll get covered more than two loads. Oh, loaded. my God. That won't problem, it, all right. Poor yeah. people down there, we think of them today. And the other thing, you, you touched it there. Uh, the golden Charolais weanling heifer, six months old. 
Yes. Oh, that's a, a, an unusual type of prize as well, that's isn't sponsored it? Sponsored by uh, Paddy Hand and actually Kieran Duffy. Uh, anyone from Loud Village would know Kieran Duffy. He's, he's a cattle dealer from Loud Village. Both those lads are sponsored. That. See, the great thing here is every one of those auction items are all sponsored. So mm. whatever we make on them is, is completely profit for the club. It goes to the club. And and again, to touch on Liverpool United tickets, All Ireland tickets. There's hurling. I think the economic Manus is going to do a, a stint for somebody there as well. Oh, there's lots and lots of prizes. So it's happening when this weekend, James. It's happening this Saturday night. And if anybody, uh, if anybody would like any of the items, they want to put a reserve on any of the items. If they call me in the next 24 hours, uh, we'll put their reserve on. And, and if it doesn't make their their reserve, then they will have the two tickets for Ireland. The tickets for Ireland hurling football final. Their VIP tickets, their box tickets, their food all day, food and, and drinks all day. Oh, fantastic. And and that to look forward to as well. The biggest day in hurling and football in the country, in Croke Park. Well, I take my cap off to you again, Yves. When we saw this, oh my God, I, we had to look at this twice and say, are you cutting me? Oh, this is uh, so unusual. And, and, and you know, I, I, you're right. You said there, you could be a bit murmured about this. Some people don't like to even talk about this or, or do anything about it. But you'll be assured of your home for eternity on this planet in Cardiff or Affair. That's the bottom line. Where else would you want to be? Where else would you want to end your time money in Cardiff or Affair? While I have you on with me, just go away for this, just for a quick second, because you're a man I wanted to ask this question to. The new rules, Seamus, and uh, the game. What do you think? Yeah, listen, uh, I can I can see merit in in, in the, the rules committee coming up with, with some new rules that was going to change the game because the reality here, Jerry, is that our games have become boring to watch, uh, boring to coach, boring to play in. That's mm. the reality. It has become boring. We have, unfortunately, with different rules, taken the physicality out of the game, and I, I blame that. I blame the GA for, for that, taking the physicality out of the game. But it needs some sort of change. I think we haven't got it right, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, first of all is four rule changes all at once. You know, what other sport comes with four rule changes? Why, come, you know, why not come with one or two rule changes? And I think there's merit in one or two of them. I, I, I think there's merit in the forward line kick I think there's merit in the kick out. There's certainly merit in the kick out. I think there's merit in the in the in the uh, catch inside, the, the mark inside. But there is no merit in the third hand pass. No okay. merit. It's taken a hammering out there with the players. It's taken a hammering with the management. It's taken a hammering with the referees. I do not see the third three hand pass staying in, 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 in place. And it's difficult for officials with all the cards, what they have to watch to, you know, police this as well. I feel sorry for them, Seamus. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, certainly do. The referees, a difficult job the way it was, you know, mm. and, and somebody would say you go with two referees, when, from a manager's point of view, one referee's enough without having to deal with two referees. But, you know, there's certainly merit in some change. I, I would have thought something like, you know, you see, the problem we have is, is, is everyone going blanket defence and it's gone a bit like basketball where you're tramping forward. You know, you're getting back to defensive, offensive and defensive. But I think one rule that could have changed the game for us was that every team had to keep three players on the forward side of the 45-metre line. 
which would do away with blanket defences. Mm. And that, that could help our game. Yeah, that is, that is that is the big one to be tackled. Anyway, just said I'd, I'd throw that at you. Main point, Cardiff Gales will be debt-free. They're having their auction this Saturday, isn't it again? This Saturday night in Euromore Hotel. Everybody welcome. And if you want to bid in advance, we have Seamus's details. We can put you in touch with him. Thanks so much for joining me today. Enjoy. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. That's Seamus McEnany there. A graveyard plot for two of your choice in Cardiff or a Ferris Cemetery. There you have it. Never seen it before. Absolutely new one on me. Anyway, good luck to them with that there and a great story they are. Um, almost a lot on late, late lunch for this uh, Thursday afternoon. Thanks to everybody who joined us on the show today and you for tuning in. We'll be back with our final show of the week tomorrow. Boot Club with Margaret Madden and Rick is here. Yes, the man himself, our virtuoso of Vino. Rick Cronje will be with us on the show tomorrow as well. Just part of the lineup for Friday, the final day of the week. I think this is the one to leave you with today after that chat about the plot. What do you think, Louise? This is the one, isn't it? I think we're dying to hear this song. Oh, we're dying to hear this song. It's Picture House. Heavenly day. See you tomorrow. Good morning. It's raining. Everything you've ever said. Yeah. This morning, the way it's falling. Nothing's landing on my head. There's a cloud, grey, the lining in shedding can't touch my day. It's rising a wedding and you, me, and everybody I know is waving us away. It's a heavenly day. Whole lot more on the way. It's a heavenly day. Yeah. Angels with me today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.